This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Demers, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. You want to know what's harder than buying or selling a business? Buying or selling a business from family members or to family members. Everything gets a little bit more complicated when you have business and family involved. And I've seen first, second, third, and fourth generation family members take over shops from the previous generation. There's a lot of commonality of some of those good, some of those not so good. And there's a lot of commonality with buying or selling a shop to an outsider. But this week, I want to talk about the do's and don'ts and what has made people have successful deals and what stuff has not worked out so well for clients in the past. And so this is actually going to be a two-parter. This week, I wanted to talk about the basics of this, the foundational stuff of what you should be doing in the short term, maybe even before you decide to sell. And then next week, we're actually going to get into the deal and structuring that and all of the nitty gritty details. Before we get into that, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Hey, did you know that Napa Tracks has on-site training plus six days a week support? It all starts when a local representative meets you to learn about your business and how you run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice. Let us prove to you that Trax is the single best shop management system in the business. Visit them online at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. If you're looking for a full service staffing solution that does everything from sourcing, qualifying, creating job descriptions, scheduling interviews to negotiating job offers, Promotive is your answer. GoPromotive.com. So personally, I've been part of I guess hundreds of transactions where mom and dad were selling, giving, or maybe even leasing their businesses to their kids. Some of those have gone perfect, and some of those have permanently ruined relationships forever. And I'm not joking around when I say this. I have had so many where it was such an easy transaction, we've known it was coming for so long, and other ones where I've actually had family members calling, cussing us out, you've ruined the family, where I guess they could argue with this, had nothing to do with it. Maybe I did evaluation. Maybe I just talked to their brother, sister, mom, dad, whoever it was, and gave third-party advice just like I would for anyone else. I want to give you some of these backgrounds on these things to hopefully try and replicate some of the things that I've seen work well with my clients and some things to avoid. And a lot of this is going to be directed to the shop owner. And I want to kind of preface this by saying, hey, I've seen just as unreasonable requests come from the people buying the business as the one selling it. But I'm going to say most of the people that probably listen to my podcast are going to be the ones maybe selling to their next generation at some point versus the opposite. But on all these, I'm going to kind of try and give both sides. So just want to put that out there to not say, hey, mom and dad, you're doing this all wrong and you're messing this up for the kids. No, not at all. Look at this as helpful advice. Some of this stuff, hopefully you're already doing. Other stuff, maybe something to think about later down the road. Maybe never. Maybe you don't have any kids and never have to worry about this one might make it easier for everyone involved. So number one on here, and I went down through, I was making this list. It's in really no particular order, but I feel like that this one is probably the biggest thing, and that's communication. Communication is one that if you have good communication, it's going to go really well. If there is no communication, it might not even happen. And honestly, I've seen this. Hey, why did little Johnny leave? He went to start his own shop. And then after it was already too late, I told him that he was my plan to take this over. The wheels are already in motion, so to speak. And this is 
really the most important piece. And I can't stress that enough because if everything else goes right and you don't have this, then nothing happens. But really, you'll see this is probably the crux of the whole issue. A lot of the other ones we're going to talk about this week, if you don't have communication at all, it's not even applicable because you have even got that far. And a lot of times I'm being stuck in the middle and neither party is actually talking to each other. You don't know how many times I've heard this of, hey, I want to buy my dad out. I want to buy my mom out. I want to buy my parents out. And the parents have no idea. They have no idea that the kid wants this. Now, some of these deals are maybe not really the right time. And sometimes I will give that feedback. Hey, you know what? You're young. So are mom and dad. I get it that you want to buy it, but I don't think that they're going to do this. And I'm not sure that I'd really feel like that they're in a position that they have to. They're just starting. They've just created this. It's finally making some money. They probably need to enjoy this and need to set themselves up before they just pass the torch on to you. Or like I said, the same flip side. You know what? I'm going to sell to Sarah. I know that she's the one on it. Getting all my ducks in a row to make sure that this is a business that she is going to be happy taking over, happy buying from me. A lot of times, and I have to be very careful because anything a client tells to me, good or bad, I have to take that advice and I take the anonymity side of this very seriously. What's said to me does not go anywhere else, let alone to a kid about what's going on. What will happen, though, if I do hear this stuff is I will go back and say, hey, obviously, this is not my place. Do not even want to get in the middle of this, but you should probably make sure that they know about this. And really, communication is something that is not emphasized enough. You might be thinking, well, hey, what does this have to do with numbers? Everything on this. When you look at the deals, whether you're buying a house, buying a car, The numbers are the easy side. Hey, what do you want to pay? Here's what I'm willing to pay. Here's what you're willing to sell it for. Great. If it's just numbers, meet somewhere in the middle and be done with it. But it's the games people like to play. It's the mental aspect of these that's generally the one that really crumbles deals or maybe even crumbles relationships before the deals even happen. Everything else that we're going to talk about here, it doesn't matter if there's no communication because you might not ever really have that. And the big thing here is all the good operators, all of the good successful transitions have always had a plan. The bad ones very seldom do. Now, how do you have a plan if you do not communicate? You probably don't. Next one on here is be open with the numbers. Be open with your numbers or really be open with your business as well. And this one is really going to be directed a lot more at the generation that's selling, not the generation that's buying. So a lot of times I get contacted by maybe the second generation or the one wanting to buy from mom and dad if it's my clients. But again, I got to be very careful with that because they are not my client. Hey, I know that you're related to my client. Hey, maybe we even have a good relationship, but there's certain things that we can talk about and a lot of things that we cannot. This is your parents' business. My relationship and my financial duty is to them. And again, this is family stuff. I don't need to get in the middle of that. But a lot of times I have outside, I guess, potential clients reach out to me and want to hire me for consulting, want to help you structure this deal, want to buy my dad out. And really, a lot of times, sometimes getting a third party involved is the easiest thing because it gets too personal. Dad wants this. I want that. Neither part's really talking on this. Or even maybe everything is amicable and they just want to say, hey, you don't really care if this comes in high, low, good, bad for one or the other. You just want this as fair be for everyone, which is exactly what we're trying to do. But the thing that I see a lot on this one is... A lot of people, especially selling nowadays, maybe your mid-60s, late-60s, 70s, you're coming from a generation that doesn't really talk openly about their numbers. And I've seen this with coaching companies. I've seen this personally. This is very secret. I guess I probably grew up in the same thing in my family as well. You don't talk about how much you make. I never knew growing up how much my mom and dad are made. I probably had an idea, but just like most kids, probably not even close whatsoever. 
But a lot of times people have carried that on when they have kids in the business. And especially if they have kids in the business, they're planning to take over at some point. Steven is 29. Steven, you want him to take over your business in five years. No, he's not 12. You can tell them, hey, good, bad, or ugly, how's the business doing? What are you having success with? What are you not? And hey, maybe the business is very good now, but what happened in those dark times? A lot of times you want to brag and you want to say, oh, it's all good. It's so nice. Look at all this money I made. Hey, open them, give them the full entire kind of context of what they're dealing with here. Being self-employed is great. There is a lot of upside to this, but also share those downsides to them. This is not just about being open with your numbers. It's being open about running your business. And I see this all the time, or I hear this all the time. Well, they aren't ready to even run their own business. Well, neither were you at some point. Of course, they're not ready to run their business because no one's ever taught them to run their business. And now I want to challenge you. Think about when you first started your business or you first opened your business, or maybe even now. Do you even know how to run a business? If you do, it's probably not because someone sat you down and someone took you under their wing and really showed you the ropes. You learned it the hard way. Things that worked, you kept on doing. Things that didn't work, you never did again. How did you figure out that you never mess with sales tax? You told your kid, hey, don't mess with sales tax. It's going to be bad. Make sure that you pay it. Now you're going to really give them the full story and say, don't mess with sales tax because I made this mistake once. If I was late or I was late three, four, five months on sales tax or didn't pay it, they came out, they chained up the doors. And I'll tell you what, that was a hard lesson that I had to learn and I never missed a single sales tax payment for the rest of my career. And that was 20 years ago. They know that you are very strict about your sales tax. They don't know why, because you don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to share that with them or you want to shelter them from that. Give them this rose-colored glass view of being self-employed. That's a disservice to both of you. Because if you don't share openly about your wins and your losses on this, then they're not going to be able to learn from your mistakes and hopefully avoid it. And this is coming from a son. A lot of times you want to show the next generation, hey, I don't make mistakes. And admitting your failures is not going to make them look down on you and be like, hey, why would dad ever do this? Hey, you made a mistake. And this is what I learned from it. Mom and dad like to say, hey, you need to do this and this. Now, do you think that your advice is ever taken maybe lightly by your kids? Because they say, oh my God, of course they say that. They worry too much. No, give them the full detail. Give them the full contents. Give them the full background of, hey, do you know why we do this or why we don't do this? Do you know why I'm hard on you guys and what you say on the phone to customers? Because this has happened in the past and this is what I've done to change it. If you just tell someone do this or do that and there's no sort of context or no sort of information behind it, there's a great chance that you're not going to listen to that advice. Maybe they will in the short term when they know you're watching, but in the long term, they probably say, oh my gosh, they always told me about this. I'm not going to worry about that. And maybe they end up getting burned by the same mistake. A little bit of preface to this, a little bit of communication and discussion here is going to really pay dividends for them when they ultimately are signing the checks. Napatrax has made selecting the right shop management system easy by offering the industry's best, most comprehensive SMS. It all starts when a local representative meets with you to learn about your business and how you need to run it. After all, it's your shop, so it's your choice, and having a local representation is a huge plus. Customizing tracks to your business, whether you're a one-person shop or a large multi-bay or multi-location company, our representative consults with you to help optimize your shop's workflow, efficiency, and profitability. And unlike the other guys, we'll be there for you after installation with the best training and support in the business with a learning management system tailored to each role in your company. 
Simply put, Trax was designed and built for shop owners just like you. Visit us on the web at napatrax.com. That's N-A-P-A-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Are you tired of spending endless hours searching for the perfect talent to join your team? Promotive is your full-service automotive staffing solution. At Promotive, we believe in being more than just a recruiting agency. We become an extension of your team working tirelessly to ensure we place the right talent with the right shops. With our always-be-recruiting mindset, we're constantly seeking out the best professionals in the industry. We manage 90-95% to of the recruiting process, taking the burden off your shoulders. When you partner with Promotive, you gain a dedicated recruiter and account manager who will work closely with you, understanding your unique requirements and seeking out candidates who fit seamlessly into your shop's culture. We'll ensure that every candidate we present is thoroughly vetted and aligned with your needs. With Promotive, you'll have a peace of mind knowing that we're handling the recruitment process with expertise and precision. We don't just match resumes, we match character, culture, and long-term success. Visit our website at gopromotive.com today and experience the power of Promotive's expertise and dedication. Together, we'll build a stronger and more successful team. Maybe you're sitting here like a lot of people and saying, no, they aren't ready. And this is going to take me a long time. Of course it is. If you've never had your second in command, whoever you want to pass this down to, been part of these discussions about advertising, insurance, banking, numbers, taxes, payroll, you name it, then it's probably not going to happen overnight. You probably know too much to be able to even speak everything that you need to in the next week. And even if you could communicate all of those wins and losses, is that really going to be a fruitful endeavor for them to try and cram all this information to a week? No, you got to start with the basics. And this is something that you need to build. Now, if you're going to have this, it's going to need to be set up. You're going to need to have a plan. And if you have a plan, you need to stick to it. And this is super, super important. All of the good ones have had a plan and all of those good ones have stuck to the plan. All of the bad ones maybe not had a plan or some of those bad ones did have a plan, but they're now on year five of a three-year deal. Yep, you know what? Mom was going to sell me the shop in 2020. And I'm talking to this client in 2023. It happens so much on this. You sit down, you do step number one, you do step number two so well. All right, we're going to communicate. I want to sell to you. This is really important to carry on the family name, the family legacy. I want to get you involved in the day-to-day stuff. I want you to start taking some of these responsibilities off of my plate. And then what ends up happening? You've taken your responsibilities off. You've shared your information with the next generation and you just keep on hanging on. No offense to you. I know your kids love you. I know that they want to see you around here, but at some point you just got to let go. And this is one that I've seen kill deals. You know what? I'm walking away. I know that they're planning to give me a great deal on this business, but that was supposed to happen three years ago. And I have no faith that they're ever going to follow through. Their word doesn't mean a whole lot to me. And if they're going to come back and say, well, hey, you know, we're going to sell to you into this year. I'm done with it. I don't believe you. I don't trust you. And I need to make my own decisions for my own life and my own future. Now, I know that's cold and I know that's hard, but I want to be real with you guys and show that this can happen, right? And this is not ones where people have bad relationships or underlying issues. There's a lot of times where there's actually very good relationships. And this is their way of ensuring that relationship is going to be okay in the future because the kid, the nephew, the grandkid, whoever it is, knows, hey, this is becoming a major issue for me. This is really bugging me and I don't want this to ruin a relationship anymore. So you know what? I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to go make my own decisions on this. A lot of times that in itself can be a bad thing 
because if mom and dad were planning to sell to you and you just walk away, now that might put them in a bit of a tricky spot as well. But for a lot of these people that just want to hang on, just want to keep on making the business, keep on wanting to show up there. Yeah, you can see you're putting them between a rock and a hard place. And that's going to be a lose-lose situation for everyone. The biggest thing that I think probably causes this one is that they need to make more money, right? And I see this time and time again is, all right, business was making okay money, got the second generation in there. They started giving this bit of advice, maybe just some renewed energy and focus on the business and taking a lot of stuff off of your plate. And sometimes what happens is you get a little bit too comfortable making more money than you ever have been. Maybe a lot of your day-to-day responsibilities have been taken over by that next generation. And so, yeah, you're at the point where you're like, why would I ever sell this business? I'm really in an investor status already. And my kids are almost making my life too easy here. So I have no reason to ever sell this business. If you guys have communicated with that and they're okay with that, then great. But if you're already into this plan and you're changing the plan just because you want to make more money or they've making your life too easy, then think about this. Hey, in the short term, might be good. Might be getting you some serious cash in your retirement or just your bank account in general. But in the long term, are you scaring off your most interested party and probably for you, your most ideal candidate to take over the business and move on. This goes right into number four. It is not your kid's fault that you did not plan for your own retirement. Do not saddle them with what you need versus what it's worth. I'm going to touch on this a little bit next week. We're going to talk about valuations and how you take this into consideration. But first, I want to talk about a tale of two cities. And these are two real life examples. One has went well, one has not gone so well. So let's do the bad one first. So this is client A, and this is a prime example when dad does not plan for retirement. So client A, son had been working. There was actually a couple sons in the business. They've been working with dad for years, years and years, probably less than 20 years, but definitely more than 10 or 15. This has been a long time relationship. And honestly, the son that was going to buy the business was really integral in the overall success of the business. Probably would even be here today if not for the son. So they had been communicating, albeit not very well, about succession plan. And dad wanted to sell. Dad knew that son wanted to buy him out. And it was getting to a point where they were looking at this and they're saying, hey, one of us has to go. No hard feelings, but just two very strong personalities. And so dad finally said, you know what? It's time for you to take this over. I'm going to sit this down. I'm going to come up with a plan and we're going to make this happen. So that's where I got involved. And so finally, they got the plan together. I was excited for him. And really something that's been breeding a lot of animosity between the two of them. So he came in or he just emailed this over to me and said, hey, finally put some stuff down. Here's what dad and his accountant put together. And let me forward that over to him. So I took a look at this and my jaw hit the floor. It said, okay, I'm going to buy him out. And here's what his monthly payment's going to be. And once he signs on the dotted line, that business is all his. He just has a payment to make to dad. Doesn't make a difference if it's stock, asset sale. So I started looking down. I said, okay, somewhat of a realistic monthly payment on this. I think this business can support this until I looked at the terms. Here is where this deal went completely south. So the terms were that this monthly payment was going to be made in perpetuity. Now, his dad is not the youngest guy, but he's not very old either. It's not like he's on his deathbed and you know he's going to die in a year. And so, yeah, it might be in perpetuity, but he's on borrowed time. No, he's not a older gentleman by any means. And this is probably something he's going to be paying for 10, 15 years, hopefully longer, but you never know. So even at that, I was already like, oh my gosh, this is going to get expensive. And then I kept on reading. He did not plan for his retirement very well. 
And so essentially, he was saddling his kid with his retirement. He has worked out what he needed on a monthly basis in order to retire, figured out what he had. His son was going to pay the shortfall, essentially. And since this was his retirement, he needed to make sure that that was guaranteed until he died. Like I said, it gets worse. I took a look even farther, and when he passed away, the payments did not stop there. They actually passed on to his mother. Because again, his mom did not work. His dad was the sole breadwinner, the sole income earner for the family. So he, being a good husband, but a bad dad at the same time, said, hey, you know what? If I pass away, mom needs to be taken care of. And so this payment is going to go to them. Now, the number was outrageous. And when I worked out what this business was going to be end up paying, I just did some rough numbers and I went back to my client. And we are talking like over the life of this thing, he was going to end up paying him, I think, $4 million or something like this for a business that realistically maybe is worth about half a million dollars. Not a very big business. And also there was a ton of sweat equity in there for the son. He had created a lot of this business. And so I went back to him. I said, hey, we're going to talk about this in a second, but I'm not going to get involved in this. I'm going to give you advice more from a friend here. Have no interest in consulting on this deal. Have no interest in getting between you and your dad, but you can't sign this. This is one of the worst deals I've ever seen in my life. And this is not ordinary and customary. This is something where you are getting on the hook for kind of your dad's poor lack of planning here. And long story short, he ended up walking away. He started his own business on it. His life is doing perfectly fine. The relationship, however, is probably permanently ruined at this point. Now, let's talk about a high note. So a client calls me up and says, Hunt, I want to give my business to my son here. And I said, you want any money for this? You've built this business and it's a very profitable business. I mean, very successful business. If it was close, I'd be like, hey, you know what? I'll give you some money for this. I mean, it was that good. Great reputation, great cash flow on it, great employees, great customers. I mean, just a spectacular business. His son had not been working with him that long. Maybe a couple of years on it, very bright kid on this, but it's not like this son had created this business either, right? It was truly my client, the original owner of this has created this. And I said, you're not trying to get anything for him? Like, hey, I'm not trying to tell you to gouge this, but still business. It's not crazy. You're not a bad dad. You're not a cheap dad if you don't sell to your kid. He goes, hon, I don't need to. The building's paid off. I'm still going to hang on to that. He's going to rent me the building, albeit a very fair price. My house is paid off. I got money in retirement. My wife has got a pension on this. I have investments. I have money set aside. Why am I going to make him buy this business from me just to turn around and when I die and when my wife dies, just to give that money right back to him. Where I put him in a financial pickle, why have him go through all the trouble of banks, negotiating price and all that when it's all for nothing? I'm going to pay taxes on money that I don't need that's ultimately going to end back to them. He was able to set his life up. He was able to set his retirement up. And this was his ultimate plan. Unlike a lot of people, his plan was that his business was never going to be sold. He was hoping all along that he was going to be able to pass this on to his kid. Now, like I said, for the longest time, his kid wanted nothing to do with this business, but he had never broken his plan. He still held out a hope that he would be able to, I guess, convince him to get him back in there. So he says, hey, if I want to get him back in there, it's really what I want to do to be able to say, hey, I don't need this. I want you to have this because I have done everything that I needed to. And so you can see that even selling your business and your own retirement, you might be shifting your logic on it. If you have been neglecting your retirement, if you had been neglecting saving money, thinking that you're going to get this ultra high dollar premium payout for the business, you might not have thought that might be at the detriment of your kids or as your nephew or of your grandkids on this. 
It's not you gouging some random person off the street of saying, hey, you know what? He said yes to this. Not my problem. He's now running a business and I can ride off into the sunset with a pocket full of cash. Maybe instead of riding off into sunset with a pocket full of cash, you still do that, but you have your kids, your next generation there sitting holding the bag, paying for some of your poor lack of planning and lack of foresight there. I get it though. This is business and this is personal. And I don't want to get into the valuation too much because we're going to talk about this next week. But at the end of the day, you got to think about this. Would I do this to an unrelated party? And specifically when it comes to pricing, it might seem a little bit rude, but this is honestly a one-way street. And when it comes to business and personal aspect on the pricing side, you can always go down, you cannot go up. And what I mean by that is this. If your business is worth $600,000 and you want to sell it to your kid for $600,000, so be it. You earned this. You built this. It's what it's worth. It's not weird to ask your kid to say, hey, pay me what it's worth. It's only fair. It's exactly like what I would offer someone else. A lot of times you'll give some sort of discount, friends and family discount. Hey, you know what? If I was going to sell to someone for six hundred. dollars I will sell it to you for 400 or like, hey, I was sold to someone for 600,000. I don't need it. Just take it. It's free. You can always go down on price. There is never going to be an argument with saying, why are you giving this kid a deal? Of course, I get it. Now, it does not go the other way. If you would sell this to someone else for $600,000, why are you going to ask your kid to buy it to you for a million dollars? And sometimes people do this unknowingly. Because they don't go in and they don't say, hey, what is my business worth? And start going down through the process or hire me to do a valuation of their business. What do they do? They start adding up their expenses. They start adding up how much money they need. Would you ever go to an outside party and say, hey, I want you to buy Hunt's Auto Repair. How much you want for it? 800,000. Well, how did you come up with that valuation? I added up how much money I need to retire and that's what I need. Because they're going to come back and they're going to say, I don't care what you need. I'm going to pay you what this business is worth. This is an investment for me. The return on investment, the ROI needs to make sense. I'm sorry that you have a really expensive lifestyle. I'm sorry that you didn't pay off your house or you got a third, fourth, fifth mortgage on this thing. Your business numbers don't make sense. I'm not going to pay an overinflated price. Okay. So when it comes to business and personal, first and foremost, make sure that you have that business hat on. All right. What would I do for this for the outside? Now, you can always go down. You can always discount that for little Johnny. There's no reason to have the friends and family discount turn into a friends and family premium. So last one on here, and certainly not least, and certainly not all inclusive of this is passing the business down to the next generation. And specifically when you have multiple kids or multiple people that you want to inherit your enterprise. So there's really two aspects of this that I have seen go poorly. The first one is do not split up the business and real estate to multiple family members. Do not do this. And what I mean by that is this. Let's say that your business is worth a million bucks. The real estate is worth a million bucks as well. You have one kid that works in your business and you have a daughter that lives in California and has nothing to do with this business. You love them both equally as all parents do. And so you want to make sure that it's fair. Hey, you know what? I'm going to give my business that's worth a million bucks to my son. So this would not be fair unless I gave my daughter something as well too. I don't want to give my son everything and have my daughter get absolutely nothing. That's not really fair. So what I want to do is I want to go out and I want to give my son the business and I'm going to give the real estate to my daughter. And my son is going to end up renting the building from my daughter. What you think that you're doing is you're making it fair for both parties. What you're actually doing is guaranteeing strife, 
arguments, disagreements, animosity down the road. I've seen this beforehand. I've seen this after the fact. I guarantee you that this will happen. Now, what magnitude? You don't really know. What will probably happen is one of the other ones will buy the other one out. Usually it's going to be your son ending up buying out the sister at some point. Now, he will probably try to do that. If she wants to sell it, maybe not. But what happens is this, is you're creating a business and family relationship for kids that have never had a business relationship with each other. You're adding to this. Do you think that there's ever something that's going to make them closer? Realistically, probably very slim chances. One of the kids got the business. The other one got the real estate. Maybe the business is doing very well. And the other kid being the landlord on this looks at that and says, man, dad really gave me the worst asset here, right? He gave me the worst thing to inherit on this. My brother's making all this money in the business and I'm barely getting by my day job. And the rent that he's paying me is just not enough. Now, I know that maybe the rent is fair and that's how dad set it up, but he can afford this. He's not going to move out of here. So next time he has a lease, I'm going to jack this thing up. He used to pay me 10 grand a month and he's now going to be paying me $15,000 a month. And they're right. They're going to be putting the other sibling in a very weird situation because they've created their reputation there. They've created their family there. Their employees are used to going to that location. And unless it's completely outrageous, the other person is probably going to pay whatever the landlord is charging them. Because why? They don't want to move. And maybe they just don't want to cause any drama. But at some point, it's enough is enough. Hey, maybe if the fair market value is 12 grand, I'm not going to say something. My sister charges me 13. Fine, just pay it. Hey, if the fair market value is 12 grand and my sister wants me to pay $22,000, it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to do this. And what's going to happen is it's going to hurt my business. It's going to hurt her business. And it's obviously going to hurt the business enterprise as a whole altogether. I've seen it happen. Do not do it. Do not do it. Now, Hunt, what is the alternative? I don't want to do that. Then, hey, maybe you are going to give your business to your son. Great. That's a million bucks. We know we don't want the real estate to go to your daughter. So maybe he's not getting a real estate. Maybe he's going to go out and get a mortgage just like anyone else. And he's going to buy that for a million bucks from you. Now you have that cash. Now you can go and you can give it to your kids. Or even you could do something else and you could say, hey, you know what? When I pass away, the building is going to go to both of you guys. If one of you guys wants to keep it, you got to pay the other one out. Just keep it really black and white, really simple. Lay it out. Make sure that both parties are on the same page before you leave. A lot of times people kind of work down through all this stuff and then mom and dad passes away and you start reading the will like something out of a Lifetime movie. And then you figure out what exactly is going on. Is there any time for clarification? Is there any time of what ifs and stuff like that? No. I know this is weird to think about, but please figure this out before you're gone. While everyone's still talking, while you guys can hash this out, where you can make sure that your words are communicated by your mouth and not an attorney reading your words typed up that might miss context or maybe even give people the completely wrong idea of what you are trying to do. The last one on there is maybe you don't own a real estate or maybe you do, but it's not part of the deal. Do not sell or give your business to multiple family members if not all of them are working there. Even if all of them are working there, again, it's really tricky, but you probably don't have a choice. How are you going to sell it to one of your three kids if all three of them work in a business? That's going to be a headache, and I probably can't even solve that. You're in a tricky spot. Best of luck to you. I'll help where I can if you're one of my clients, but that's hard. Now, some of this stuff is avoidable, though. Let's say, again, you have three kids, like I do. I have three lovely daughters. 
So let's just say that we are 25 years from now, maybe 30 years from now, who knows? I want to sell my accounting firm to my daughters. One of them, my oldest one, works in the business. The other two do not. But again, I want to be fair here. Hey, you know what? It doesn't make sense if I just give you the whole accounting firm and nothing to the other two. So what's going to happen is I know my oldest one is you're going to work here. You have been working here, but I'm also going to give your other two sisters equal cuts of this business as well. This is going to cause major issues. Some of you listening to this might have had a silent partner, might have had that angel investor that owned a portion of your business. And at some point, it's okay. And a lot of times, especially if you started your business, one person comes with the money, one person does this work. What ends up happening is a very expensive note because this person is not doing anything in a day-to-day business, but you're still giving them 30, 50% of your profits, whatever it might be. Do not do this. Just like we were talking about before, splitting the business and the real estate, make it fair some other way. Do not have the business be the equalizer to be the leveling ground. Even if they have the greatest relationship and you say, "Hunt, oh, they get along great. All right, well then leave it this way. Only thing that makes this more complicated is adding business on top of that. The business is good. If the relationship is good, why rock the boat? Why cause headaches that just don't need to happen? At the end of the day, you're trying to carry on your legacy and you're trying to bring success or continue this success to your next generation. However, if this is not done correctly, you jeopardize forever tarnishing your relationship with your kids or parents, depending on which side you're on. I've done hundreds of valuations, but I honestly say no to about half of the ones that I'm asked. And I tell people this up front. When you want to have a valuation, we are calling for me not to tell you the price on this. I'm calling to learn more about your story. Because I do not want to charge someone, and valuations are not cheap, if I know that they're not going to get use out of this. Sure, I could sell it to you. I could say, hey, great, give me your money and give you back a sheet of paper, which I know is going to be worthless. Because from the number side of it, it's not going to come up to the number. It's not going to encompass what we're trying to do here. There's a lot of things I just say, hey, you know what? Save your money. I'm not interested. I don't think this is going to be effective use of your money, and I'm not going to feel good about charging you. Now, That is one of the situation. Another one is divorce. And for obvious reasons, I usually like to sidestep those. Now, sometimes I'm involved in some capacity, but if someone calls me up and says, hey, hon, I'm getting divorced. I want you to come with the value of my business so I can tell my wife it's not worth what she thinks. Here's what I say. I'll say, you know what? Probably need to get a third party. Probably need to get an outsider's point of view. Not only do I not want to be involved in this or get subpoenaed, they're probably not going to use this anyways because they're going to say, yeah, Greg, of course you got a low number. This is your accountant that did this. And you now have five grand, 10 grand down the tube that has no value. The last one though is family deals. A lot of times I maybe can kind of give some offhand advice without going into the actual numbers. If both parties are on board, and I get this a lot, I want to buy this from three grand. I'm okay with this. My kid's okay with this. Then who am I to say? If you guys are fine with this and you guys have an agreement, who am I to tell you otherwise? Now, if it's crazy, I might have something to say like, ooh, if you guys are okay with it, that's fine. Client to accountant, this is a little bit high. If you're okay with that, if that's what you need, then that's fine, but just need to make you aware of that. And that's usually only when it's outrageous because again, evaluation is very hard to do on the back of a napkin. Could I get you a general idea within a couple hundred thousand? Yes, but beyond that, no. It takes a good amount of work to really unpack everything to see what the true value of the business is. But the biggest thing here is we're trying to avoid is to not let money ruin relationships. Money doesn't buy happiness. Money is the root of all evil. It's probably true. Money makes people do very strange things. If paying a little bit more is going to get it done and make mom and dad happy and make their retirement maybe a little bit more comfortable, just do it. 
And if taking a little bit less or taking a little bit of a discount more than you maybe would have liked is going to make your daughter Sarah feel happy about this, get some stress off of this and continue your great relationship, then do it. Don't make everyone's Thanksgiving really awkward when you saddle your kid with a bad deal. On the other side of it, don't put mom and dad in a bad spot by lowballing them and devaluating what they've spent their life trying to build and create. So please share this with friends, family, maybe even mom and dad, or maybe even little Johnny or little Sarah if you need to. And for future episodes or any questions, comments, or ideas, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. So thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listing apps. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there. And I will talk to you all next week when we wrap this up with part two, talk about the actual deal, structuring, pricing, and everything else in between. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.